The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. But Aaron is living that dad life with his amazing wife, Sharon, and their newborn son, Maddox. So once again, congratulations to them. Everybody is home. Everybody is healthy. That is a blessing. Happy Friday. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Punt and Pass. I am at Drew Butler. Lots of news, again, to talk about regarding college football. More storylines breaking, players and student-athletes back on campus, and some more stuff regarding the amazing, unprecedented time in history that we are in. We will get to that. We will certainly get to that, but I think we should start off this episode with something that I think will affect a lot of people during the weekends this fall. That is, of course, the shakeup on SEC Nation. What is SEC Nation? SEC Nation is the SEC Network's version of College Game Day. They travel around to one of the biggest games in the conference each week. They set up shop, and they have a live broadcasted preview show for the entire conference and the weekend in college football. This show debuted in 2014. The three original personalities on it were Tim Tebow, Marcus Spears, and Paul Feinbaum. It was originally hosted by Joe Tessitore. Tess, obviously, has been on Monday Night Football the past couple of years. Don't know what's going to happen upcoming with Monday Night Football in 2020. But reports are that Paul Feinbaum and Marcus Spears are both leaving the show. They will not be on SEC Nation this fall. Tim Tebow still will be on the show. Laura Rutledge will remain the host. And who's stepping in? Well, as of right now, Jordan Rogers is stepping in. Jordan Rogers, of course, the former Vanderbilt quarterback. He is the color commentator for SEC Network's primetime game of the week every single weekend on the SEC Network. The play-by-play guy in the booth with him is Tom Hart, and the sideline reporter is Cole Kubelik. So Jordan Rogers stepping up. He will be added to SEC Nation, and it's expected that he's going to kind of pull a Herb Street. And what does that mean? Yeah, he'll be on SEC Nation in the morning and then head on to whatever game he is calling for SEC Nation, excuse me, SEC Network that evening. You know, what a great promotion for him, first of all. Um, My thoughts aside, 
you know, of of him, he obviously busted onto the scene after winning The Bachelorette, which is great for him, but he's really good. I think he's really good in the booth. He does a fantastic job. He breaks down the game in a very knowledgeable but approachable way, and him and Tom Hart are a great team, so congratulations to Jordan. I'll be interested to see how he does on a studio show every Saturday morning, especially alongside Tim Tebow. I would think that they're probably going to bring in one more personality. Who would that be? Don't know yet, but you got to think the ripple effect that this is going to have across the SEC network and the college football landscape when it comes to broadcasting, we will certainly see. I think another interesting thing to think about now, especially with what the world is looking like amid the coronavirus pandemic, is what will SEC Nation even look like? What will college game day even look like? Do you really think if there is limited capacity at the stadiums that they will have live shows travel around and set up shop at different college campuses each and every week? I don't know. As of June 19th, 2020, I don't think that they can definitively say, yes, college game day will be at multiple college campuses every single weekend in the fall of 2020. What if it is a studio show? How would that change your view, really the pageantry of college football During the fall, there is nothing better, and I think every listener on Punt and Pass would agree, there is nothing better than waking up on a Saturday, making that Chick-fil-A run, making sure that the freezer and the fridge is packed with whatever is needed to turn on the TV at 10 a.m. on ESPN or SEC Network, start college game day, and be sure that you have your food and beverages set to watch football until 1 a.m. that same very day. That's one of the best parts. What if College Game Day was just a studio show each and every week? I don't know. That that certainly would not begin fall Saturdays in the same way that makes college football so special. And how would that work logistically? Right? You're already talking about, and Dr. Fauci says yesterday, football might have to be in a bubble. College football teams specifically being on campus, being around so many other students, living in dorm rooms. How are they going to be able to stay away from being exposed to the coronavirus as it's expected to kind of ramp back up in the fall with cooler weather and flu-like symptoms? I don't know. But now you're telling me that even if capacity in the stadiums were limited, that TV networks would be okay just to jet around their talent and their production crews to different college campuses in different states each and every week, that seems like a logistical nightmare. And as of right now, I just don't know if that's going to happen. I like to stay optimistic on punt and pass. I like to bring you guys good news. But how would college game day and SEC Nation work amid limited capacity, amid crazy testing, and and living in that bubble that people are thinking that will have to happen in the fall. Again, that's a long time away. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but as of right now, I'd call it a 50-50 shot. I would call it a 50-50 shot that College Game Day and SEC Nation are not live shows broadcasted from the respective college campuses that are hosting big games during college football weekends. I don't know. What if there is no college football? Okay, that is not ruled out yet, but I've told you here there certainly will be college football because do not get it twisted, and I'll remind you again, a majority of academic institutions are legitimately upheld 
by college football. That is a fact. They will force college football to be played in some capacity this fall. What if it is zero capacity inside the stands? They will play. They need that TV dollar generation revenue. There's no question about it. But I'm reading here, based on the SEC Nation news, if there were no college football, that supposedly Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler could slide over and call Monday Night Football on ESPN for the NFL. Would you even like that? I wouldn't. I'll just tell you right now, I wouldn't. I love Chris Fowler, and I love Kirk Herbstreit. But I don't want to hear them call an NFL game. Sorry, call me crazy. They are college football voices. They don't belong in the NFL. Yeah, I said it. They are unbelievable, and they will go down as one of the best broadcasting teams in college football history, but I don't want to hear them call Monday Night Football. Would they be better than Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane? Of course. Okay. I'm not saying they wouldn't be good. They'd be great. I just, I, I have too much affiliation with them in college football. I feel like I'd be thrown for a loop if I tuned into Monday Night Football and it was Chris Fowler bringing it in with Kirk Herbstreet. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Tweet at me. At Drew Butler. Would you care if Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet called Monday Night Football? And would they even make you more in tune with the NFL if they were to call Monday Night Football? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but you know, I thought about that today. And obviously the SEC Nation news is certainly interesting. Jordan Rogers being added to the show. Paul Feinbaum and Marcus Spears leaving. They're staying with ESPN. Marcus Spears continues to climb the ladder. He's on Get Up Often, which is their national morning show on ESPN. He's going to have an even bigger role on NFL Live. And then Paul Feinbaum's still going to continue to do his daily radio show, obviously. They throw him all over the network during college football season because he is college football in the South, besides punt and pass. I mean, it's punt and pass first. Paul Feinbaum certainly falls behind us. That's obvious. So they're not going anywhere. They're just not going to be on SEC Nation. Jordan Rogers slides in. A great little promotion for him. I can't wait to find out who they put with him and Tim Tebow. Laura Rutledge is amazing. She crushes it. She's one of the most talented, along with our damn good dog, Maria Taylor. So will they add a third seat? How will that ripple affect the rest of the SEC landscape on TV, SEC Network, ESPN? We'll see. It'll be interesting. And then that Herb Street and Fowler thing on Monday Night Football, please let me know what you think. Please let me know what you think. It would be fun. It would definitely be fun, but it would be interesting for sure. Another fun thing, I retweeted it. Check me out, at Drew Butler, at Punt and Pass. The viral thread. Whatever face app came out that makes people look like women or men or babies or vice versa, they did it to the SEC head coaches. I mean, it is laugh out loud funny. You got to check that out. Please go check it out. I retweeted it. It's on the Punt and Pass Twitter page as well, at Punt and Pass. Somebody made every single SEC head football coach into a woman on this face-changing app, and it is hilarious. It looks outrageous, and it looks scarily real. You know, whatever Russian or Chinese or, you know, hacking facial system recognition that you put into it, it might be worth it because it's that funny. So please, go check that out. More SEC news. Florida bans the Gator Bait chant. That was crazy. You know, it's one of the best and greatest and most recognizable chants 
in all of college football. Dun, 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 gator bait, and they do the chomp. I mean, drove me crazy when I was in college. We got our asses kicked a couple of times by Florida and Jacksonville, and they relentlessly do that chant. Never once. I don't think anybody, I mean, let's be real here. I don't think anybody has ever associated that with racial imagery, but an absolutely horrific, terrible, disgusting story about gator bait was spread around social media. The president of the University of Florida found it or saw it or it was brought to his attention, and he said, hey, look. In the times that we're in right now, if there is any association to racial imagery and a chant that we do, we'll get rid of it. So they got rid of it. That's what happened. You know, I said it yesterday on the podcast. Um, We're at a point now where if enough people are going to feel good about making a change than those who are indifferent, then I guess it's time to make the change. Again, I think the president even admitted that he had never once even known – for the chant to have any connotations to racial imagery, but it was brought to his attention. He made the change. So no more gator bait chant in Gainesville or on the road for Florida fans. Will it completely be eradicated? I don't know. I mean, clearly the band's not going to play it, right? You know, LSU always screams for their band to play the song Neck. Odell Beckham Jr. had a little bit too much fun with that at this year's national championship game. They still play it. The fans still sing it. It's just not allowed, quote-unquote, by the university. This one's clearly different because it's a chant that happens throughout the game, the entirety of the game, and the band is the one that plays it and gets the fans to do it. This will be very interesting to see. But, yeah, Florida gets rid of the Gator Bay chant. In Tennessee today, I think I really actually like this one. Everybody remembers the black jerseys that Tennessee wore years ago on a Saturday night football game. It's funny because back then, I think their sponsor was Adidas. Their jersey sponsor was Adidas. And they almost looked like practice jerseys. Like they made them up midweek, screen printed some numbers on them, wore them during a game. I don't think they've ever worn them again. Uh, Somebody needs to correct me on that. They've had those smoky gray jerseys that they've worn against Georgia a couple times. But they're bringing back the black jerseys this year. I believe home game versus Kentucky late in the season, and they're going to auction off the jerseys afterwards to a local organization that supports black lives. David Ubbin on Twitter said that T. Martin said any proceeds from the black jerseys worn in auction would stay in East Tennessee. They want to donate to a local organization that supports black lives, but not specifically to the Black Lives Matter organization. I get that. I think that's pretty cool. I wonder if Georgia would do something similar to that. Georgia has their black jerseys. Everybody always prognosticates when they will wear them next. Are they cursed? So on and so forth. Great recruiting tool, those black jerseys are. Cool to see. I want to see what Nike does with Tennessee's new ones because I'm sure they'll be able to make them really unique, especially if they're getting auctioned off. That's a great idea, especially keeping it local for real change and real impact in East Tennessee. That's a great move. I'm all for it. I think more colleges should do that. That's cool. And another thing, too, that I think is really unique is T. Martin is leading Tennessee's culture committee that looks for ways to advocate. I I like this as well. 
I think players should create their own culture committees on teams. I think student athletes should come to cru- come together across all sports at each university to create culture committees. That's how the change is made, I think. You know, when I was on player leadership committees or student athlete advocacy committees in college, you meet great people. You get new ideas. You meld minds to make real change on campus amongst your peers, among your teammates. You can spot issues that you have. You can find the resources to fix those issues. I like the idea of a culture committee at Tennessee. I know T. Martin, the coach, is leading it. Obviously, players will be involved. I think more student-athletes should see this and follow suit. This is a great idea. A great idea. And I think Tennessee, hat tip to them, a great idea to auction off those black jerseys, which will surely garner a ton of attention. One, because they don't wear them a lot, and two, they're unique. And I think three, I really do think more schools will follow suit, maybe even Georgia. How about Georgia, though? read a really interesting article today on dognation.com by Connor Riley. It said the national media spells out what Georgia football must do to become an elite national title contender. Everybody is talking about Jamie Newman, of course, graduate transfer quarterback from Wake Forest. And you can't say Jamie Newman without new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. I think one of the unsung guys that's getting a little bit lost in the shuffle is Buster Faulkner, passing game coordinator from Southern Miss, has worked with Todd Munkin in the past, really a revolutionary type guy. You know, you think of those Joe Brady types that come in and make real impact, okay? Munkin, of course, has years and years of NFL experience and NCAA offensive coordinator experience, but when you go to a younger guy who can relate a little bit better to the players, who maybe has their finger on the pulse of the game a little bit better than, say, someone like Todd Munkin, that's when the change can happen. That's when that twitch can happen, that tweak that took Joe Burrow from above average to one of the all-time greats. Bruce Feldman, the athletic, made the case for Georgia being one of the teams that is a tweak away from being an LSU-like team for this season. Now, hold the phone, people. Let's just hang on for two seconds. I I don't know about LSU-like for Georgia in 2020. I'd love to be wrong there, but but I don't know. Feldman praised Munkin's work and what he'll be able to bring to the passing game, an area where Georgia really struggled in 2019. I think Georgia struggled there again because of the lack of experience at wide receiver. There were some games where Jake would miss a throw. He'd throw his arms up. The fans would boo. The TV announcer would say, what was that? And they'd go, wow, Georgia's really struggling in the passing game this year. But then you watch the tape back. You get a guy like Aaron Murray who knows what the hell's going on to say, hold on, that receiver just missed his route by seven yards. He was nowhere even close to where he was supposed to be. I think Jake Fromm would probably tell you the same thing if he were allowed to. Too good of a leader, too good of a teammate, not going to throw his teammates under the bus. The good thing for 2020, there will be a lot of experience at the wide receiver position. 
Bruce Feldman says Todd Munkin's a whiz with the passing game. He's got some air raid background with a little NFL influence. He's very creative, very detail-oriented, and great with receivers. His quarterbacks and wideouts know where the ball needs to go, and Munkin has a lot of savvy in terms of what passing concepts work against certain looks. Look, George Pickens as a freshman was really good. ESPN has tabbed him to be the most exciting player on Georgia's team and one of the best wide receivers in the nation in 2020. Think about the guys Todd Munkins worked with in the past. Justin Blackman, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I mean, you could see a real emergence of George Pickens. One, if he stays healthy, and two, if he stays out of trouble. On the field. Obviously, he's got the talent. And he's going to have two guys, Jamie Newman and JT Daniels, if he's eligible or if he needs to get in the game, that can be able to deliver him the ball. A lot of question marks, but so much potential around Georgia in 2020. And because of those offensive concerns, and again, I'm reading this from Connor Riley's Dog Nation article. National analysts are giving pause to placing Georgia in the top tier with the likes of Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. Chris Hummer of 24-7 Sports placed the national title contenders into tiers and had Georgia in tier 1.5 against teams above teams, excuse me, like Florida, Oregon, Oklahoma, but not quite in the penthouse with Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. Hummer says Georgia is a weird team to place. The Bulldogs' talent stacks up player to player with Alabama and Ohio State. It's history. Three straight seasons with at least 11 wins. Does as well. But there are a few big picture reservations with Georgia that could hinder the Bulldogs' ability to get to the top of the heap. We're all going to find out fast. I mean, Georgia plays Alabama the third week of the season. September 19th. Of course, opens in Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Monday, September 7th. Little Labor Day action against Virginia. But Look, Chris Hummer from 24-7 Sports just said what I've been saying before spring practice was supposed to start. The Bulldogs' talent stacks up player to player with anybody else in the nation. And you got to give Kirby Smart credit. He heard the complaints. He saw what Georgia was lacking in 2019, addressed it head on. Great recruiting. Awesome coaching hires. Fantastic energy. Now it's time to put all the pieces together. It's exciting. We're going to have football this fall. I'm sorry to scare you a little bit, okay, with the Fowler to Herb Street Monday Night Football stuff. They'll be calling college football games. That's a fact. Will college game day be live and in person? I don't know. SEC Nation? Probably not. Full capacity? Who knows? But we'll have football. And, man, will it be awesome. I miss football. I love football. Thankfully, we got live golf back on. Baseball players and owners need to get their heads out of their asses so we can have some baseball action. NBA about to enter the bubble. We'll have NBA playoff basketball back. Premier League, you know I love soccer. That's back. We're getting there, people. We're getting there. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram, at Drew Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at AaronMurray11. Send him some congratulations. Brand new puntandpass.com coming out soon. I'm going to have a blog. Merchandise shop will be there. We'll have some great links to some of our partners and some of our friends. It'll be awesome. It'll be a great spot for you to bookmark, 
and check into every single day to keep you up to date on what is happening in college football. Punt and pass is all you need. So we appreciate you. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on Monday. See you.